Chapter eighty seven of Women of History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jenny Bradshaw. Women of History by Anonymous. Chapter eighty seven. Miss Edgeworth. Born seventeen sixty seven. Died eighteen forty nine. Geoffrey. Miss Edgeworth is the great modern mistress in the useful school of true philosophy, and has eclipsed, we think, the fame of all her predecessors. By her many excellent tracts on education, she has conferred a benefit on the whole mass of the population, and discharged with exemplary patience as well as extraordinary judgment, a task which superficial spirits may perhaps mistake for an humble and easy one. By her popular tales she has rendered an invaluable service to the middling and lower classes of the people, and by her novels has made a great and meritorious effort to promote the happiness and respectability of the higher classes. There are two great sources of unhappiness to those whom fortune and nature seem to have placed above the reach of ordinary miseries. The one is ennui, that stagnation of life and feeling which results from the absence of all motives to exertion and by which the justice of providence has so fully compensated the partiality of fortune, that it may be fairly doubted whether upon the whole the race of beggars is not happier than the race of lords, and whether those vulgar wants that are sometimes so importunate are not in this world the chief ministers of enjoyment. This is a plague that infects all indolent persons that can live on in the rank in which they were born, without the necessity of working, but in a free country it rarely occurs in any great degree of virulence, except among those who are already at the summit of human felicity. Below this there is room for ambition, and envy, and emulation, and all the feverish movements of aspiring vanity and unresisting selfishness, which act as prophylactics against this more dark and deadly distemper. It is the canker which corrodes the full-blown flower of human felicity, the pestilence which smites at the bright hour of noon. The other curse of the happy has a range more wide and indiscriminate. It too tortures only the comparatively rich and fortunate, but is most active among the least distinguished, and abates in malignity as we ascend to the lofty regions of pure ennui. This is the desire of being fashionable, the restless and insatiable passion to pass for creatures a little more distinguished than we really are, with the mortification of frequent failure, and the humiliating consciousness of being perpetually exposed to it. Among those who are secure of meat, clothes, and fire, and are thus above the chief evils of existence, we do believe that this is a more prolific source of unhappiness than guilt, disease, or wounded affection, and that more positive misery is created, and more true enjoyment excluded, by the eternal fretting and straining of this pitiful ambition, than by all the ravages of passion, the desolations of war, or the accidents of mortality. This may appear a strong statement, but we make it deliberately, and are deeply convinced of its truth. The wretchedness which it produces may not be so intense, but it is of much longer duration, and spreads over a far wider circle. It is quite dreadful indeed to think what a sweep this pest has taken among the comforts of our prosperous population. To be thought fashionable, that is, to be thought more opulent and tasteful, and on a footing of intimacy with a greater number of distinguished persons than they really are, is the great and laborious pursuit of four families out of five, the members of which are exempted from the necessity of daily industry. 
these are the giant curses of fashionable life and miss edgeworth has accordingly dedicated her two best tales to the delineation of their symptoms the history of lord glenthorne is a fine picture of ennui that of almeria an instructive representation of the miseries of aspirations after fashion the moral use of these narratives therefore must consist in warning us against the first approaches of evils which can never afterwards be resisted to some readers her tales may seem to want the fairy colouring of high fancy and romantic tenderness and it is very true that they are not poetical love-tales any more than they are anecdotes of scandal we have great respect for the admirers of rousseau and petrarca and we have no doubt that miss edgeworth has great respect for them but the world both high and low which she is labouring to mend have no sympathy with this respect they laugh at these things and do not understand them and therefore the solid sense which she possesses presses perhaps rather too closely upon them and though it permits of relief from wit and direct pathos really could not be combined with the more luxuriant ornaments of an ardent and tender imagination End of chapter eighty seven recording by jenny bradshaw